Okay. Welcome back to the emergency goalies. We took a little, uh, couple more days off because, well, we thought, you know, the trade deadline's on Monday, so we could talk about new games and moves that hadn't been made yet, or we could wait and talk about five games and some moves that went down. So, I mean, obviously, the games, they're not really that important, although I will ask you about, was it a good idea to play Flurry uh, right before the trade deadline? Feels like it wasn't, but... Uh, no, it probably wasn't the wisest move, and uh, my heart certainly skipped a beat when he tried playing a puck without his glove. Um, and so, yeah, that could have been uh, disastrous. But at the same time, you know, he's a competitor. I'm sure he wanted to be out there. It was a home game, so it was kind of a, a send-off for him to some degree. So, you know, it turned out okay. But would I have played him? Nah, probably not. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much. Do you have any other observations about the games? Um, you know, they're, uh, the new guys uh, fit in fairly well. And uh, we're, we're, we're getting a little better play out of the top six, I guess you can say. We're getting a little better effort from them, I think. But... Uh, the defense is still a problem. The bottom six still can't score. And the, and the goalies are going to be a problem from. And exactly, I was just about to say, and uh, who knows what we're going to get out of uh, the goaltending the rest of the way. Cause uh, Lankinen and Delia have not exactly covered themselves in glory this year. So. Yes. All right. So obviously we'll go, go back to the first trade, which. There had been rumors about, but as we said, we wanted it to be a big return if Brandon Hagel was moved because we both like his play, but it was a pretty big return. He was sent to the Lightning for a pair of picks and um, two players who, I mean, I don't know if they've got high ceilings, but they are NHL players, but I thought I'd ask you about the Hagel to um, Tampa trade. Yeah, uh, I I think they were able to get what they needed to out of a Brandon Hagel deal. Um, you know, obviously when you're dealing with Tampa Bay, you're likely to get late first round picks from them. So it was imperative that they get two of them. Uh, and I also uh, kind of like that they were willing to to wait until 2023 and 2024 to get them. Mm -hmm. um, this um, upcoming draft class is not considered all that strong. And the Blackhawks already have, um, you know, a, a few second round picks. And so getting a late first rounder, you know, there, there's not much difference between those. Um, whereas the 2023 class is considered uh, one of the better draft classes to come around in, in, uh, quite a while. So getting, getting a first round pick there, even if it is, you know, late twenties, <laughs> early thirties, when you're considering Tampa Bay, it's, it's still a, a, a pretty valuable pick. Unless, unless the Blackhawks won the draft lottery this year, they will have their first round pick. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, th that's going to be one of the, um, 
things that could really alter plans slash throw a monkey wrench into what the Blackhawks are hoping to do. And it's, it's kind of weird to think about uh, potentially winning the draft lottery this year being a bad thing. Yeah, so that's going to say you're almost rooting to not win the lottery. It, it, you, you kind of are, or if you do win it this year, you really need to make sure you get the number one pick. Cause there is a, a pretty decent uh, first overall pick expected this year, you know, not, not like a franchise changer, but you know, somebody who, you know, projects as a, as, as a top line player, but the 2023 draft has three potential game changers. And so if you can finish, I mean, the team that finishes with the worst record next year is going to be guaranteed to get one of those three. And I don't think the Blackhawks are going to be that bad, but if you could win either spot in the lottery next year, you know, you're going to get a really great player. Yeah. And, the concern this year is if you win the lottery and get the second pick, you don't get, you, you could really hurt your chances. Yeah, of um, if anyone doesn't know if the Blackhawks, um, you know, they, their pick is only protected for the first two picks, but if they get that, then they automatically give up next year's, first round pick right which is uh, of all of the things that um stan bowman did that is probably the worst thing he's done in the last couple of years everyone in the league everyone in the league is attempting to protect their assets in, in the 2023 draft in the first round everybody wants a shot at that lottery and even, Bowman, even if he didn't think it was likely, he still put the Blackhawks in a position where they might not have a chance at it. Yeah, even if it's like a um, eight percent chance, yeah. you don't do that. So, yeah, that's definitely uh, something that we'll have to keep an eye on. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So going back to the trade, getting those two first round picks very important. Um, you know, that obviously gives them uh, four first round picks in the 2023 and 2024 draft, two in each. Um, you know, again, assuming the, the lottery um, situation this year. But um, yeah, and then, you know, they got two players out of it as well. Um, I'll talk about Boris uh, Kachuk first, uh, kind of a classic fourth line. Um, guy, he's got, he's got a little, he's got a little bit of offense in him. Uh, he's got some decent hands, uh, but he's more of a, a big body grinder type. Um, doesn't, doesn't skate great. Um, so I think, I think that's what limits his offensive upside more so than his actual scoring touch and hands. Um, it's just, you know, he's never going to put himself in the, in the greatest situations given his skating, but um, I do think he's an upgrade as a fourth line winger over what we've had. So, uh, you know, a decent, a decent player to have around, you know, you never know, maybe he does end up um, uh, overachieving and uh, builds value that they can potentially um you know, trade down the line if they want, or, you know, even potentially give him another uh, contract after this. 
And then the other guy that they received is uh, a little more well-known, uh, former second round pick. Uh, and, you know, and both of these guys are signed for two more years at um, under at like 750K per season. So just really great contracts to get. Um, Kachuk is 23 and then Taylor Radish is 24. Uh, he's a guy that uh, was part of one of the more celebrated um, CHL junior lines of the last uh, 10 years or so with a pair of guys that would be familiar to Blackhawks fans in, in Dylan Strom and Alex Dabrinkit. Uh, he was the third guy on that line and uh, they, they really kind of terrorized uh, their junior league uh, for, for a season. Uh, he's got a little more upside than Kachuk. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I think he's a pretty good bet to be a third line winger, um, but he does maybe have second line upside. Um, He's obviously going to get a big opportunity here with the Blackhawks. Um, I like that he's a right-hand shot, gives them a little bit of flexibility to play either wing. And uh, at least so far, uh, he's made a a nice impact. Uh, I think he's got a goal and an assist in his first two games. Um, And uh, yeah, so you just kind of hope that, uh, uh, he's able to pay off and, you know, the, his age at 24 this year, you know, you're going to be looking the next two years, he's going to be 25, 26. He's going to be cheap. I, I mean, honestly, the, the best thing is probably that he plays well enough where he would be somebody that a contender would want to acquire sort of like Brandon Hagel, who was on a great contract and producing and Radish at least gives you that kind of upside potential to work out that way. And obviously, um, uh, Carpenter got traded, as we expected, um, sent to the Calgary Flames. Was it sixth round pick? Uh, fifth rounder, actually. But uh, it's a fifth rounder in 2024. Okay. So, um, you know, just getting a fifth rounder out of him, I think that's kind of best case scenario. Yeah. Um, I don't think you were ever going to get better than that. And, you know, who cares if you got to wait till 2024 to get it? Your you know, fifth rounder is not that big of a deal to begin with. So as you say, there wasn't much to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of talked about Fleury a little bit, but obviously the, the um, wild traded for him and they got a first round conditional and the conditions are, well, let's say uh, not super likely to be met, but. And, you know, I mean, the Wild are a pretty decent team. I, I could see them surprising in the playoffs a little bit. So, you know, it's a it's a second round pick that turns into a first rounder if the Wild make it to the conference finals. And um, and Flurry wins four games. Yes, they can. So, yeah, I mean, he's got to be, you know, essentially the starting goaltender for one of the two rounds that they win. That they're so, talking about him being back up to Talbot, but. I don't know if that, I mean, you know, I, I could see either one of them getting hot. I mean, Flurry's a guy that he's a little streaky and if he's on one of his cold streaks, uh, you know, I mean, we've seen it uh, a couple of years ago with, with Vegas where he got supplanted because he wasn't playing well in the playoffs, but then what was it last year? He came in and won some games for them. And there were years with um, where, I mean, if you go back in time, there are years in Pittsburgh where the internet like melted down. Yeah. How bad he was. And 
the playoff. Right. right. So yeah, I mean, he's 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 a streaky guy. So yeah, I mean, we've seen that this year too, where he was terrible to start the year, and then he got on a terrific run of about twenty games or so, and then it's probably pretty likely that he tired out a little bit as the Blackhawks were riding him very hard. They played him a lot, yes. Yeah. So I mean, I think honestly. You know, having a guy sharing the net with somebody like Talbot, they can they can share the load, and hopefully for Flurry's sake and for the Blackhawks' sake, he settles in, wins the job, but gets enough rest that you know when the playoffs come around, he can hopefully be on his game and and uh, take the wild somewhere. I guess you and I will have to share for the wild, which is uncomfortable, but wild and Oilers, man. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, going back to the beginning of the year with uh, the Duncan Keith trade, the third rounder that we got from them turns into a second rounder if the Black or if the Oilers make it to the to the uh, Stanley Cup finals. So, <laughs> an even unlikelier uh, um, option, sure. but I really don't yeah. like the odds on that. No, no, but if you know, maybe we can get an Oilers Wild, uh, yes, uh, Western Conference final. We'll see. But yeah, so, you know, the Blackhawks have positioned themselves fairly well for this next draft, you know, about as well as they can, considering they don't have a first round pick. Yes. Um, I think Davidson was able to kind of help amass enough, you know, little extra value here with getting that second rounder. I was going to ask you about this little bit of drama between uh, the Minnesota GM Dubas and Davidson about. Toronto GM. He was, oh, it's Toronto? Yeah, yeah. So Toronto was upset that. Um, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I guess it got leaked that they were interested in Flurry as well. I haven't actually unraveled that whole thing. Um, it seems like a whole lot of nothing to me. Uh, everybody in the entire league knew that Toronto was going to call about Mark Andre Flurry. Um, and it sounds given... like, yeah, it sounds like um, he was not interested at all in going to Canada he wanted to be no no I mean he made a point that one of the reasons that Minnesota works out well for him was that uh, it's geographically very close to Chicago which Toronto is as well but um, the difference in the travel times having to cross the border and that is uh, you know a significant factor and so I think Minnesota was was really probably his preferred destination maybe outside of Pittsburgh you know, might've been the one place that he would have been willing to, to travel a little further for. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, it ended up working out, I think for everybody involved, except for maybe Toronto <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, it's, it's unusual to see a GM call out the GM of another team. So it does seem like Davidson probably did something out of typical standard operating procedure that upset Dubas. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I don't know that it really does any amount of damage considering the actual information that got out was something that, that you know, was so obvious that everybody knew was coming anyway. So, um, it's, you know, it'd be one thing if, no. uh, you yeah. know, the Blackhawks had leaked that, oh, Toronto was willing to give up, you know, William Nylander to, to you know, then, then I could see it being a, you know, a problem. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know why I thought maybe because it was the trade with the Wild Way. 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was involving flurry. It was just yeah, it was. Although now that I think about it, um, Dubas might have used to be part of the wild. I, I can't remember where he came from, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, he's kind of he was kind of Davidson before Davidson, as you know, he was kind of the young GM. Uh, but I cannot. Uh, he might have came up with Toronto. I don't. I honestly don't remember. Yeah, uh, he's been around for a little while now. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I think it's it's kind of a whole lot of nothing, but we'll see. Um, you and know, then, uh, yeah, the only other thing I'll add is, I mean, obviously the market for the Han just never materialized. Maybe the contract, the injuries, but yeah, you know, it, it's something that I brought up um, a lot earlier in the year. Um, when the season first started falling apart that, you know, Calvin DeHaan was not going to be uh, a hot trade commodity given, you know, how poor he had played last year and his contract, which, you know, the, the cap hit is bad enough as it is, uh, you know, his cap hit is 4.5 million, yeah. but he's actually making uh, 5.5 million, I think this year. So, you know, even the Blackhawks um, retaining 50% on him. Uh, I don't know that any team wanted to necessarily pay him 2.5 million or so dollars to be a, essentially a sixth defenseman. When there were many other. When, yeah, when there were so many other options. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, the only thing I can say is there was enough smoke over the last week or so that I thought, Oh, not only are they going to be able to trade him, but sounds like there might be enough competition where, you know, maybe they can get a third round pick out of him. Um, but I do wonder if they uh, might have been, you, you know, maybe the Blackhawks held on to him a little bit too long and teams found other uh, cheaper options. Or, I, wonder you know, if, I wonder if the Blackhawks were trying maybe the leak out that there is a bigger market than there was. Could be, could be, you know, because he was definitely a guy that got listed a lot on all the, you know, the top trade. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I really think that contract it was ended up being the biggest uh, hindrance because I, you know, I mean, he's been overplayed by the Blackhawks as a top pairing defenseman this year, but he's played well enough where you know he 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 could fill in as a sixth defenseman for any team probably in the playoffs, but. Um, again, that contract is not a sixth defenseman contract. And so, yeah, that, that definitely uh, hindered uh, any interest in him. And I think the same kind of goes for Dominic Kubelik, who, um, you good. know, the last two years, it, it, he was worth $4 million. And I think there would have been interest in him in either of those two years. But he has been so lackadaisical this year. And I mean, even, even the last two years, we've talked about it. He really doesn't have value outside of the offensive zone. He's a scorer. And he wasn't scoring. And he wasn't scoring. And he was giving even less effort than he normally did. So, uh, you know, it, he was the last two years he was scoring and he was giving enough effort where he wasn't a negative in the defensive zone or the neutral zone. Yes. You know, he's just kind of neutral there. This year, uh, he's been bad in all three zones. He's not he's not contributing 
anything. Is and it the, um, unrestricted or restricted going forward? So he's going to be a restricted, but they have to qualify him yeah, for more money than he made this year. And I, I don't think there's any way that they're going to, I think his qualifying offer will need to be like four and a half million next year, which they're not going to pay that. So he's going to be non-tendered. Very much. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's definitely the case. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't try to re-sign him or sign him to an extension that is for a keeper, uh, for a cheaper cap hit. Um, I mean, they don't have to, uh, the only option isn't, you know, just a one-year restricted free agent deal. Uh, I think it's far more likely that they end up just letting him walk away uh, given his effort levels this year. Um, I don't necessarily think that that's the type of player you want around uh, for a rebuild for, you know, as an example for young players, because, you know, unlike Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and, you know, some of the, the, the other veteran players, Calvin Hahn, even, you know, they're, they're trying when they're out there. And I, I haven't seen the effort from Kuba league. No. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, the other guy that's kind of in the same situation is Dylan Strom, who's making 3.6 million again, probably not worth his contract. Other teams didn't want him, even though I do think he's improved his play this year, unlike Dominic Kubelik, but again, uh, still not up to the level that a playoff caliber team wants. But again, he will also have to be qualified. I think at like around 4 million, um, which again, I doubt the Blackhawks will play, pay, but I do think it's more likely for, um, for them to maybe re-sign him to like maybe they get him for like a get him to agree to a two-year deal at like maybe three million per year or something like that. Um, yeah. So I do think there's a possibility Strong could return. Yeah, but more so, uh, more so than Kubelik. Yeah. yeah. All right, and, I, and then I don't know if we have anything else. No, I mean, I think maybe we could just touch on the fact that they did sign Alex Vlasic. Um, oh, that's right. The former second round pick of theirs. Gigantic guy. He's like six foot six. Um, had a pretty good uh, career with the U.S. national team or the U.S. national development team and then um, with Boston okay. University. Uh, but, you know, he's another, you know, bigger defenseman that doesn't necessarily skate amazing. And I don't know how much offensive upside he has. Um, Derek King had some nice things to say about his passing um, in his first couple of practices, but, um, you know, he's basically paid, played like 12 minutes or something like that in his first two games. And I, I just haven't really seen enough of him to, to really gauge what his game is yet. But um, I, I would imagine they're letting him play some games to burn his first year of his contract and then, uh, next year, he'll probably start the year in the AHL. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll get a look at him, I guess. And yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like the on ice product is, it, this is kind of not the main thrust anymore for the next. No, no. I mean, you know, you just, you, like I said, I think you, the Radish and Kachuk give you a couple of guys that you can kind of watch and hope. Um, can kind of build some value uh, for the rest of this year. Uh, beyond that, you know, you're hoping they mix in some of the young defensemen and, you know, you hope some of them build momentum going into next year. But, you know, the big 
the big, the, the big decisions are all going to come in the off season. We've talked about it over and over. If Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and Alex Dabrinkit are going to get traded, they're going to get traded in the off season when you aren't just dealing with, you know, a handful of teams mm-hmm. trying to win for the playoffs. If you're going to trade Alex Dabrinkit, you're not going to do it at the trade deadline when you're only dealing with teams that can give you late first round picks. Yeah. You're trading Alex to bring it. You want to make a trade like Every Columbus team. did with Seth Jones, where you could get a lottery pick, <laughs> yeah. you know, or, you know, Alex to bring it. You can demand the other team's best prospect. You can get Adam Boquist and a potential lottery pick and something else out of it, just like uh, Columbus did with Seth Jones. That's the type of deal you need to make for that guy. And that's also the type of deal that you probably need to make with Patrick Kane, even though he's only going to have one year left. But with Patrick Kane, unlike Calvin DeHaan, who had a backloaded contract, Patrick Kane's contract is front-loaded. So, yes, his cap hit, still pretty high, even though he's you know producing well enough to justify the cap hit. But his actual salary is only $6.9 million next year. Okay. Any team would be very happy for the Blackhawks to eat 50% get a $5 million cap hit and only have to pay Patrick Kane 3.5 million. They could get a huge haul for Patrick Kane. If he wants to. At this point, the Blackhawks would be happy to do that. I think they would, but at the same time, I think of anybody, Patrick Kane is the one is the one that wants to stay. Um, I do think it's, uh, you know, Taves has the exact same contract. Um, you know, if, if the Blackhawks would uh, certainly have to, to cover 50% of that. And again, at a five mil cap hit and $3.5 million salary, I, I think he would have value to just about any team around the league. Um, even though, you know, he still hasn't completely gotten back into uh, his previous form. But I think if you look at Taves' last 20 games or so, I, I think it's comparable to what he, what he did in 2020. And he's going to be... He sounds like, I mean, if you judge the little bit of yeah. you know, anger he had for the Hagel trade, I think he's more about, Kane's more about, like, he's chasing history, and Kane feels more like he's about being on competitive teams. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, it's not like Jonathan Taves has <clears throat> any, uh, like, Chicago records no. that he's going to be chasing the way Kane does. Uh, I believe Taves will is scheduled to play his 1,000th game later this year. Mm-hmm. So if you get that out of the way, um, you know, heading into the offseason, you know, he's not going to be looking to, to bypass, you know, Brett or Bobby Hall or Stan Makita or anything for anything. And, you know, Taves wants to win mm-hmm. and – uh, you know, I think it's pretty clear that the Blackhawks are not necessarily going to offer him a lucrative extension the way that they might with Patrick Kane. So I think it's far more likely that we finally see kind of a split between Patrick and Kane, uh, between Kane and Taves, and uh, Taves might be the first one out the door. Yes, but that's all stuff for a future uh, scenario yeah. in the off season. So I guess that's a good spot for us to leave it. Um, Michael, of course, you are. MJ underscore Ernst. Yep, and I am STH85. You can subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, and yeah, we'll be back. I mean, there are going to be some not good hockey games. <laughs> We're going to watch them all, and 
report back to you and if anybody stands out we'll let you know and yeah i guess we'll just go down with the ship <laughs>